Good morning and a warm welcome to our podcast service for St Michael's Lillishall and St John's Muxton. My name is Jane Evans and I am a local minister. Today, Robin will be talking to us on tongs in the last in our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's begin our service with a prayer for the third Sunday before Advent. God, our refuge and strength, bring near the day when wars shall cease and poverty and pain shall end, that the earth may know the peace of heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's now declare our faith by repeating this creed line by line. Christ died for our sins. In accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day. In accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Our first reading today comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Our Gospel reading for today comes from Mark, chapter 13, verses 5 to 11. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Good morning. My subject today is the spiritual gift of tongues, one, if not the most, contentious of the spiritual gifts. Many Christians have difficulties with accepting speaking in tongues, and others cling to it as if it were a badge of office. Nothing really changes. Human beings may develop new technologies, but essentially we are the same as our forefathers from thousands of years ago. We want the same things, 
we like the same things, we do the same things. So much so that in the Bible, the largest source of information regarding the gift of tongues is a section of a letter from Paul to the Corinthians. Their church had the same sort of problem with the expression of spiritual gifts that we see in some churches today. Let me explain by defining what I mean by speaking in tongues or having the spiritual gift of tongues. A tongue is a language, but the speaker of a tongue has not learned that language. I speak a few words of Welsh, some French, much more German and a fair amount of English, but in each case I learned those languages. When I speak those languages, I am not speaking in tongues. A tongue in the Christian sense is a language that we speak spontaneously, miraculously. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 6, which we've just heard, has a somewhat unique example of people speaking in tongues. It describes the first Pentecost. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out into the crowds in the street and they started speaking. Speaking in tongues. The disciples had not learned the languages that they were speaking in the way that I learned German or French. They, they simply opened their mouths and out came an understandable foreign language. As a result, people from all over the known world heard the disciples speaking in their native languages. This example of speaking in tongues allowed a group of Christians to communicate directly with non-believers in foreign languages in a miraculous way. This miracle happened, as all miracles do, in order to build up the kingdom of God. On that day, thanks to the disciples speaking in tongues, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. That is an example of the first type of tongue, a spiritual gift where the speaker doesn't understand what they're saying, but the hearers do understand it. The other type of tongue is described in Acts 10. Peter visited a Gentile called Cornelius, and having preached to him and his household about Jesus, they began to speak in tongues, praising God. These people had not learned this language, and their speech was not understandable to anyone present. They spoke to God in a language that only God understands. The same thing happened in Ephesus in Acts 19. This time, Paul witnessed an outpouring of praise to God in a language that was neither learned nor understood by the speaker. This gift of tongues allowed the Ephesians to open their hearts and minds directly to God, to speak of things that mere words cannot express. So in the Bible, speaking in tongues is demonstrated in two ways. Firstly, there's someone who speaks a human language, which they have not learned and cannot understand, and they speak it to someone present who does understand that language. Secondly, there is someone who speaks a non-human or heavenly language, which they have not learned and do not understand. A language which cannot be understood by humans who hear it, because the words are meant for God. The incidence of the first type of tongue is very low. I've heard of only one recent example of a person speaking a human tongue without learning or understanding that language. The incidence of the second type of tongue is not rare at all. And therein lies the problem. In Corinth, the people had lapped up the teaching about Jesus but were particularly interested in the gifts of the Spirit. Some of the members of the Corinthian church were so enamoured of spiritual gifts that they saw them as being more important than Jesus himself. They became a badge of honour. If you didn't have a gift, then you were nobody within the church. 
and the more spectacular your gift was, the more important you were. People were tempted to fake gifts. It is difficult to fake the gift of healing, and if you fake the gift of prophecy for long enough, people realise that you are faking it. However, it's dead easy to fake a tongue. Remember the Muppet show? The Swedish chef in the Muppets spoke Swedish. Or did he? Was he faking it, or does hudi gudi gudi actually mean something in Swedish? Well, of course it doesn't. There are people today who fake speaking in tongues simply to gain prestige, to gain a position within a community. They too are Muppets. The same problem faced those in Corinth, and Paul needed to set them straight. So what does he say? Paul tells us that there is a fundamental difference between the expression of non-human tongues and other spiritual gifts. All of the other spiritual gifts come from God for the benefit of the church, from God to the church. Speaking in non-human tongues comes from God for an individual to speak to God. See the difference? In order for the gift of non-human tongues to be of any use to anyone but the speaker, there needed to be some interpretation of the tongue. Speaking gibberish to people helps nobody. Paul's point about speaking gibberish reminded me of a film that I saw recently about the Second World War. Today is Remembrance Sunday when we particularly remember those who have died for our freedoms. Let me explain what tongues have to do with remembrance. Previously on Remembrance Sunday, I have almost exclusively focused on those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Men and women, soldiers, sailors, airmen and civilians who died in wars on our behalf. Those people are rightly remembered at this time of year. I have no desire to take anything away from those who made that sacrifice, not the honour and debt that we owe to them all, a debt that can never be repaid. But it occurred to me, as I wrote this sermon, that there are others who served as faithfully to save lives and to shorten wars. I believe that those people deserve to be remembered too, maybe not in the same way as those who died, but remembered nevertheless. The film that I saw was about Bletchley Park, the centre for British cryptography, where Nazi-coded signals from the Enigma machines were deciphered. The Nazis broadcast signals in code and Bletchley Park decoded them so quickly that those messages were read almost as fast as the enemy could read them themselves. Those messages saved lives and shortened the war. Something that I think is worth remembering. The whole purpose of codes and ciphers is to protect secrets. A message in coded form is useless, but once decoded it becomes incredibly valuable. The point that Paul was trying to make about speaking in tongues is that if the message is in code, then it is useless. If the message cannot be understood, it might just as well be gibberish. Paul uses this truth to dissuade the Christians of Corinth from their mistaken belief that outward signs of faith are a measure of a Christian's walk of faith. This is false. We all receive the Holy Spirit when we become Christians. We all exhibit the fruit of that Spirit as we change and grow, and some of us received gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We can read that to mean that to every Christian, 
the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. But the original Greek tells a slightly different story. The emphasis of the sentence is on the individual, meaning that what Paul meant was that all those who have gifts have them for the benefit of the community. Paul tells the Corinthians that not all Christians have a gift of the Spirit, and if you don't have a gift at the moment, then don't panic, and don't try to fake it. Take a breath. Take the time to speak to God and offer yourself to him. If you really want a gift so that you can better serve God, then ask. He's your dad. Just ask. From what I've said so far, Paul seems to be against the use of tongues. Indeed, some have argued that speaking in tongues is of lesser importance than the other gifts listed in verses 7 to 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They think this because speaking in tongues comes at the end of the list. However, in verses 27 to 31 of the same chapter, Paul gives a different list, with those gifts that appear in both lists coming in a different order. Even though speaking in tongues and the interpretation of that gift are once more at the end of the list, this is not meant to show the lowly status of speaking in tongues. It is to focus the minds of the Corinthians on the particular problem that their church was facing. The two lists of the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12 are neither exhaustive nor hierarchical. There are many different gifts of the Spirit, and no one of them is more important than the others. What the chapter does do is try to encourage the Corinthians to focus on the greater gifts of the Spirit. What are the greater gifts? Acts chapter 13 verse 1 If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Paul describes the two types of tongue, languages of human origin, tongues of men, and languages of heavenly origin, tongues of angels. He tells us that if we don't exercise these tongues with love, then we become like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Whatever he means, it all hinges on love. How do we define love? The word used by Paul here is agape, the highest form of love, charity, the love that God shows us and that we have for God. Agape means unconditional, selfless love of one person for another without sexual implications, especially love that is spiritual in nature. Paul urges the Corinthians to exercise their spiritual gifts in love, in unconditional, selfless service to their fellow Christians, rather than their current practice of using their gifts to increase their standing in church. If we express the gift of tongues, or indeed any gift of the Spirit, without such agape love, then that gift becomes empty and hollow like a resounding gong. If we are not inspired by God's Holy Spirit, our inspiration is fake. The Corinthian church had lost sight of Jesus and was focused on the physical manifestations of the Spirit instead. Their worship was filled with people speaking in tongues, speaking unintelligibly, with no concern for their fellow Christians, and thinking that they were being spiritual. Their worship was not only gibberish, it had become like the empty hollow noises of the pagans. Damning words for a Christian community. So, should we speak in tongues in our worship? 
Paul tells us that under certain conditions, speaking in tongues is appropriate in communal worship, but he sticks to his belief that speaking in non-human tongues is really a matter for the individual speaking to God in private. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 24 and 25, as translated in the message, makes a valid point. If you come together as a congregation and some unbelieving outsiders walk in on you as you're all praying in tongues, unintelligible to each other and to them, won't they assume that you've taken leave of your senses and get out of there as fast as they can? But if some unbelieving outsiders walk in on a service where people are speaking out God's truth, the plain words will bring them up against the truth and probe their hearts. Before you know it, they're going to be on their faces before God, recognising that God is among you. Whilst public worship may not always be appropriate for the expression of tongues, Paul does add an exception in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. The message needs to be decoded to be anything other than gibberish. Paul isn't against the gift of tongues. He is keen to make clear that it is a legitimate gift of the Spirit. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So why the apparent change of heart? What I think is that we were made in the image of God. We were made to live in close contact with God. And when we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, we lost the ability to communicate effectively with God. I'm sure that all of you will have experienced the inability to put into words the feelings or sensations that you have. How does chocolate taste? Describe the feeling of sliding into a hot bath. What is a scratched itch actually like? When we eat something that is delicious, we might make a noise like, Mmm! That noise expresses something that words cannot. That is what speaking in non-human tongues means to me. Some of the hopes, fears and feelings that I have cannot be expressed in any human language. That is where speaking in tongues comes in. When we pray to God, we can use our own words, but sometimes I get a feeling like a trapped bird within my ribcage, and human words are not enough. I open my mouth and my feelings come out. Just not in words that I understand. Sometimes we simply don't have the words. Our gospel today promises that if we need to speak up for Jesus but don't have the words, God will give them to us. As that passage ends, all we need to do is just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. The same principle applies to speaking in tongues. Paul refers to this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. These wordless groans are an expression of our spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit talking to God who is spirit. All I can tell you is that sometimes words are not enough. So what have we learned about the spiritual gift of tongues? There are two forms mentioned in the Bible, the gift of a human tongue and the gift of a non-human tongue. 
A human tongue is a miraculous message from God put into the language of the hearer without the speaker learning or understanding the words that they speak. A non-human tongue is a miraculous gift that allows a Christian to speak about things for which they have no words in a language that God understands and the speaker does not. The first type is for public consumption, the second for private use. Unless, of course, someone can translate the words, and in such a case, the number of speakers should be restricted to two or three at the most. Our worship is not to be turned into a circus. The first type builds up the whole church, and the second builds up the individual relationship between God and the speaker. Paul wants all of us to speak in tongues, but for our private use in prayer, so that we can draw nearer to our God. When we put Christ first in our lives, when we offer ourselves to him, we may well be gifted by the Holy Spirit, but that is not a badge of excellence. Gifts of the Spirit are not a measure of our faith. They are God's Spirit working in our lives for the good of God's family. He chooses who, he chooses what, and he chooses when. We don't need to fake it, we only need to accept his gift. As I come to a close, I want you to listen to Paul's words from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. If you do have a tongue, or if you receive a tongue in the future, remember what it is designed for who it is designed to serve, and how we should use it, and never fall into the same trap that the Corinthians did. Amen. Let's turn now to our prayers. At the end of each prayer, when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you might like to respond, hear our prayer. So let's respond in prayer to what we have heard today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts that you have made available to us. Help us not to be afraid to ask for the gifts you have offered. May we always seek your guidance and receive whatever you give us with grace. We thank you, especially today, for the gift of tongues, and that you never stop wanting to talk with us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his willingness to enable us to speak more effectively with you. Enable us to know when it is the right time to accept this gift and how to use it wisely. May we always remember what it is designed for, who it is designed to serve, and how we should use it. Help us never to fall into the same trap that the Corinthians did. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray now for our world. Almighty God, we remember especially today those who have lost their lives in war, those whom we have known and loved, and those whom we never knew, 
but were loved by you. We bring before you the troubled places in the world around us where war still goes on. May there be an end to fighting. Raise up leaders who will seek your peace and enable them to serve your purpose. We continue to pray for an end to coronavirus. We ask that you will stop the suffering and comfort and heal the afflicted. We lift up those giving care to the sick. Please give them strength and compassion that they need each day to do their work. We pray too for those who are seeking to find a vaccination against disease. Give them the wisdom and ability to bring an end to this evil. Help us to trust that your will will be done in the end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's pray now for those we know. Gracious Lord, thank you that we can come to you knowing that you hear our fears and cares. We pray today for those known personally to us who are struggling with sickness, fear and loneliness or who are in special need of your care at this time. We lift them before you as we name them in our thoughts now. Trusting in your love and mercy, we ask for your support, your guidance and your healing touch on each one that we have remembered. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Now let's pray an offertory prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all those who have continued to give during difficult times. We ask now that you will bless the money given and use it to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's close now by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. end with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.